Welcome everyone to the Grinded Podcast. Nipsey Hussle is going to bring us in just a little bit with Grinding All My Life. All my life, been grinding all my life. Sacrifice, hustle paid the price. Want a slice, got the roll of dice, that's why. All my life, I've been grinding all my life. Uh. It's time to hit this rail we call life and grind it. Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. I just want to say thank you for being a listener. Thank you for watching on YouTube, but especially thank you to those of you who have shared the Grind It Podcast with your friends and your family and your coworkers and just people that you know. Because, And I want to encourage you to keep sharing the Grind It Podcast with others. And if you've never told anyone about this podcast, please, by all means, tell them where they can find it. You can find it on any of the, of the, the apps like Spotify, uh, Pandora, Google Podcast, um, uh, Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, and now we're even on uh, Amazon Music. I just tell them to, to search for Grind It Podcast. It's all one word, Grind It Podcast. And it, when you share this Grind It Podcast with people, you're giving them the opportunity to get to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And if they already know Jesus, then you're giving them the opportunity to know Him in a more intimate and a more personal way. And and they can draw even closer to Him. And as they draw closer to Him, He draws closer to them. And today I want to get into Acts chapter 7. And we're going to have the first martyr, if you will, of the early church. And it's been building up for a while here since Acts chapter 4 when Peter and John healed that man at the gate called Beautiful. But in Acts chapter 6, when we took a look at that, we saw the first internal strife of the early church and how it was handled. And it was handled quickly and the unity was kept. You know, there there was an issue with the distribution of food, and and so the apostles they, they come up with a plan for the church, and the, that plan was that they were because they wanted to keep preaching, they didn't want to take time to to deal with this food issue, this food distribution issue, and so they tell the the the, the church to uh, choose seven men that were well respected and full of the spirit and and full of wisdom and so that's exactly what they did and and so these men are put in charge of this food distribution program and at the end of the chapter one of these men is highlighted and and his name is Stephen Stephen is described as a man that's full of faith he's full of the holy spirit but he's also full of God's grace and power and can you imagine being someone describing you and it's etched in, in, in eternity in God's word that this is how you are, that you, you are full of God's grace and you are full of God's power? Um, that would be so awesome. But Stephen, he, he, he was out preaching one day and he, he was working these miracles to back up the, 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 the message that he's preaching. And he was approached by uh, these Jews from the synagogue of the freed slaves. And they wanted to debate with him. They, they, they wanted to have a Bible study, if you will. They wanted, I guess, to try to see where he's coming from and maybe try to trip him up because, you know, they, they were the smart ones. They, they are the ones who knew the law. And Stephen is just like me and you. He's just some normal dude. Uh, and, and he's out here preaching in the name of Jesus and working these miracles. And they want to get, they want to figure out how he's doing this and what's going on here. And so they, they want to debate him. 
And when they debated him, they couldn't hang with him because Stephen is full of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is speaking to and through Stephen and, and, and to these, these Jewish men. And so they, they become jealous of him because they can't hang in the Bible study. And they didn't. They couldn't trip him up like they were hoping that they could, and so they go to the Sanhedrin and and they tell a bunch of lies on Stephen, and it, it's the Sanhedrin who who is the same Sanhedrin that crucified Jesus. It's made up of around seventy people that we learn from chapter four that uh, had already dealt with uh, the apostles on past occasions. And they're not happy with the. They're, they're, they weren't happy with Jesus. They hated Jesus. They crucified Jesus. They've dealt with Peter and John and the other apostles on other occasions, and they 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 wanted to kill the apostles. And it was Gamaliel that stepped in and said, "Nope, uh, it, there's no use in doing this. Just if if it's not of God, then it'll just fade away. But this if this is from God, there's nothing you can do to stop it." But they, they wanted to kill these guys, uh, these apostles, and, 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 and Gamaliel steps in and says, no, just let it be. And so they've exercised uh, their power, if you will. They think they have. Um, they've threatened these men, and now they have Stephen cornered, if you will. They, they have, because of these, uh, these Jews... Uh, who wanted to debate Stephen, and they couldn't handle the debate, they go and tell these lies. And so the Sanhedrin want to call Stephen in for questioning, and so that's exactly what they did. So because of jealousy of the religious people, here stands Stephen in front of the Sanhedrin. And remember, these are men who are supposed to be representing God. They've already killed God in the flesh. They've already killed Jesus, God's only son. And they're wanting to kill men who are filled with the Holy Spirit from God. And now here is just a regular average Joe and a dude that's full of the Holy Spirit. And he's out preaching Jesus. And because of jealousy, here he stands in front of these men who are supposed to be representing God, and they're far from it. So, as we left him at the end of chapter 6, he's standing there and he's listening to their accusations, and all of a sudden his face lights up and glows, as the book of Acts says, as a face of an angel. And in Acts chapter 7, verse 1, it says, Then the high priest asked Stephen, Are these accusations true? Not one time. These men are sitting here looking at Stephen. They're hurling out these accusations from these these lies from these Jewish men who couldn't handle the Bible study. And so they're full of jealousy. And they've come and told all these lies to the Sanhedrin. And they're hurling out all these accusations. Stephen's face just lights up and glows like the face of an angel and they don't even acknowledge it. They, they, they don't. They, you know, they had to notice, but they never even mention anything. They, they didn't say, "What's going on with your face, dude? Why is your face glowing? Why, why are you all lit up?" None of that. 
they just hurl the accusations and then they say, are these accusations true? You see, they're only interested in the answer to these false accusations, just like they did with Jesus, who was God in the flesh. Now, the text doesn't say it, but you know, I can imagine, just like they did with Peter and John, they're looking with a certain look on their face, and they're trying to intimidate Stephen. And Stephen never backs down. He has the same boldness that he had when uh, when he was debating with these Jewish men. He never backed down. He just let the Holy Spirit work in him and through him. And so he starts to answer their question in Acts chapter 7, verse 2. And it's like he doesn't even take a breath until the end of the chapter when they're rushing toward him to stone him. And so he gives them a history lesson, which is kind of comical because these are Jewish rabbis and priests and, and the, the Sanhedrin, they would know their Bibles from the Old Testament very well. They knew the law like the back of their hand. And so uh, it's kind of comical that Stephen is giving them a, a, a history lesson here. But that's exactly what it is, and we'll see that here in just a second. <clears throat> um but what you will see is they don't even have an issue with the history lesson. What they had an issue with is how Stephen compared them to their ancestors who resisted the Holy Spirit and killed the prophets of God. And then he tells them that they have killed Jesus, the very Messiah that they have been looking for for a long time. And so this is the same message they heard from the apostles, and they're sick of hearing it. Especially when they believe that Jesus was a blasphemer. They do not believe that Jesus was the Son of God. And, and you'll, if, if, when you read the Bible, especially after the book of Acts and in Paul's writings, Paul will mention many times that, that they had to confess the name of Jesus. This would be very difficult for a Jew back in, in, in the Bible days to do because they thought Jesus was a blasphemer. They accused Jesus of, 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 of having a demon and, and being the devil and, and called him Beelzebub, all kinds of things. So it would be very difficult for them to uh, uh, confess the name of Jesus. And here's Stephen saying, you've killed the very Messiah that you've been looking for all of this time. And, and they've heard this message over and over again, and they're sick of hearing it. And, and, and they don't want to hear any more about this Jesus guy. They're, they're just sick of him. And so Stephen tells me, he says, You deliberately disobeyed God's law, even though you received it from the hands of angels. And that was the straw that broke the camel's back. And when we get back from break, we're going to read and talk about Stephen's answer to the Sanhedrin when they wanted to know are these accusations true? We'll be right back. Wrist, wrist is danked, twanked and danked. So Stephen has done nothing wrong and yet he finds himself standing before the governing body of, of the Jewish people, the Sanhedrin. They hated Jesus, they crucified Jesus, the very one he's standing up and preaching about and working these miracles and the Holy Spirit's working through him, he's representing Jesus, right? And so the apostles have had dealings with the Sanhedrin. So Stephen is well aware of how these people, these men, do not like 
Jesus or anything that has to do with Jesus. But he's not scared. He's not backing down. He hasn't done anything wrong. And because of these, these Jews that came along from the synagogue wanted to have a, a Bible study, and they couldn't handle it because they, they, they were trying to trip Stephen up, and they couldn't do it because the Holy Spirit is speaking through Stephen. And they're, they're out of jealousy. They go hurl these accusations to the Sanhedrin, and Sanhedrin call for Stephen, and they want to know, are these accusations true? So in verse 2, all the way to the end of chapter 7, Stephen gives his reply to their simple question. Are these accusations true? And so here's Stephen's reply. He says, Brothers and fathers, listen to me. Our glorious God appeared to our ancestor Abraham in Mesopotamia before he settled in Haran. God told him, Leave your native land and your relatives and come into the land that I will show you. So Abraham left the land of the Chaldeans and lived in Haran until his father died. And then God brought him here to the land where you now live. And you know, you can just see these Sanhedrin saying, what, what is he, where is he going with this? What, what's he talking about? We know all this. Then Stephen says, But God gave him no inheritance here, not even one square foot of land. God did promise, however, that eventually the whole land would belong to Abraham and his descendants even though he had no children yet. God also told him that his descendants would live in a foreign land where they would be oppressed as slaves for 400 years, but I will, but I will punish the nation and enslave them, God said, and in the end they will come out and worship me here in this place. God also gave Abraham the covenant of circumcision at that time. And you can find that in, I believe it's Genesis 17. So when Abraham uh, became the father of Isaac, he circumcised him on the eighth day, and the practice was continued when Isaac became the father of Jacob, and Jacob became the father of the twelve patriarchs of the Israelite nation. By the way, Jesus, when he was born, uh, Joseph and Mary had brought him to the temple to be circumcised on the eighth day. And, and, and the reason why that is done on the eighth day is because I believe it's vitamin K is uh, is really built up in a male child's body and it becomes a, a it helps the blood uh, to clot uh, and you can dig into that if, if you know if you on your own time if you would uh, would like to do so um, but God also gave Abraham this covenant of circumcision at that time and and he says these patriarchs were jealous of their brother Joseph. And they sold him to be a slave in Egypt. But God was with him and rescued him from all his troubles. It's kind of like he's saying, you're, you know, you're jealous of me and, and what's going on here. And, and you're, you're about to sell me out. And, but God's going to rescue me, whatever happens. So God gave him favor, uh, gave Joseph favor before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. In, in other words, he blessed him. And God also gave Joseph unusual wisdom so that Pharaoh appointed him governor over all of Egypt and put him in charge of the palace. But a famine came upon Egypt and Canaan, and there was great misery, and our ancestors ran out of food. Jacob heard that there was still grain in Egypt, so he sent his sons, our ancestors, to buy some. And the second time they went, Joseph revealed his identity to his brothers, and they were introduced to Pharaoh. And then Joseph sent for his father Jacob and all his relatives to come to Egypt, 75 persons in all. And so Jacob went to Egypt and he died there, as did his ancestors. Their bodies were taken to Shechem, 
and buried in the tomb Abraham bought for a certain price from Hamor's sons in Shechem. And as the time drew near when God would fulfill his promise to Abraham, the number of our people in Egypt greatly increased. But then a new king came to the throne of Egypt who knew nothing about Joseph. Big problem. This king exploited our people and oppressed them, forcing parents to abandon their newborn babies so they would die. And at that time Moses was born, a beautiful child in God's eyes. His parents cared for him at home for three months. And when they had to abandon him, Pharaoh's daughter adopted him and raised him as her own son. And Moses was taught all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was powerful in both speech and action. And one day Moses was 40 years old, and he decided to visit his relatives, the people of Israel. And he saw an Egyptian mistreating an Israelite. So Moses came to the man's defense and avenged him, killing the Egyptian. And Moses assumed his fellow Israelites would realize that God had sent him to rescue them, but they didn't. Big problem. And so the next day he visited them again and saw two men of Israel fighting, and he tried to be a peacemaker. See, he's saying Moses wanted to do the right thing. There's all kinds of sermons in this. Men, he said, you are brothers. Why are you fighting each other? But the man in the wrong pushed Moses aside and said, Who, who made you a ruler and judge over us? He asked, Are you going to kill me as you killed that Egyptian yesterday? And when Moses heard that, he fled to the country. He fled the country and lived as a foreigner in the land of Midian. And there his two sons were born. And 40 years later, in the desert near Mount Sinai, an angel appeared to Moses in the flame of the burning bush. And when Moses saw it, he was amazed at the sight. And as he went to take a closer look, the voice of the Lord called out to him, I am the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Moses shook with terror and did not dare to look. And then the Lord said to him, Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. It's a good song, by the way. We used to sing that in church. This is holy ground. I'm standing on holy ground. And that's the only words I can remember. But anyway. I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt, God says. I have heard their groans and have come down to rescue them. Now go, for I am sending you back to Egypt. So God sent back the same man his people had previously rejected when they demanded, Who made you ruler and judge over us? Sound familiar? Through the angel, uh, through the angel who appeared to him in the burning bush, God sent Moses to be their ruler and savior. And by means of many wonders and miraculous signs, he led them out of Egypt through the Red Sea and through the wilderness for 40 years. Remember the Red Sea parts in half and they go across on dry ground. And so they had to wander around the wilderness for 40 years because uh, they they sent spies in, into the land and they come back and 10 of the spies said, we can't go there. They're, we're grasshoppers in, in their sight because there's a bunch of giants over there. And so God, uh, because of their disbelief and, and didn't want to trust in, in, uh, in God and God uh, bringing them into the promised land safely, he allowed them to, or he, he let them wander around the wilderness for 40 years. And so Stephen says in verse 37, Moses himself told the people of Israel, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. And Moses was with our ancestors, the assembly of God's people in the wilderness, when the angel spoke to him at Mount Sinai. And there Moses received life-giving words to pass on to us, the Ten Commandments. But our ancestors refused to listen to Moses. They rejected him and wanted to return to Egypt. And they told Aaron, make us some gods who can, that's little g, make us some gods who can lead us. For we don't know what has become of this Moses who brought us out of Egypt. 
And so they made an idol shaped like a calf and they sacrificed to it and celebrated over this thing they had made. And then God turned away from them and abandoned them to serve the stars of heaven as their gods, little g. And in the book of the prophets, it is written, Was it to me you were bringing sacrifices and offerings during those 40 years in the wilderness, Israel? No, you carried your pagan gods, the shrine of Molech, the star of your god, Raphan, and the images you made to worship them. So I will send you to exile as far away as Babylon. Our ancestors carried the tabernacle, that's the tent, that's how they would, they would go into the tabernacle to worship God. The tabernacle was made to, it was a tent, it could be put up and, 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 and pulled down, and they could carry it around as they wandered around the wilderness. Uh, later on, you would have the, the, the permanent place called the temple that they worshiped God in. And that was the temple that Jesus said he would tear down in three days, and he was talking about his body. Um, Our ancestors carried the tabernacle with them through the wilderness. It was constructed according to the plan God had shown to Moses. Years later, when Joshua led our ancestors into battle against the nations that God drove out of this land, the tabernacle was taken with them into their new territory, and it stayed there until the time of King David. Now David found favor with God and asked for the privilege of building a permanent temple for the God of Jacob. But it was Solomon, that's David's son, who actually built it. However, the Most High doesn't live in temples made by human hands, as the prophet says. Now, I'm sure they're raising their eyebrows at this point when he says, the Most High doesn't live in temples made by human hands because they have a humongous temple standing around them. It, it's ginormous. This place is it was huge. And and they they loved that place. Uh, to, to, that they just loved it. Uh, they practically worshipped it, really, uh, even though God did not reside there anymore. Uh, and that's what Stephen is saying here. And he's not saying anything bad, but to them, he's blaspheming the temple. However, the Most High doesn't live in temples made by human hands. No, because he lives inside of us now. We are, and Paul makes that clear, that we are the temple of God. We, he dwells inside of us. And so as the prophet says, Stephen says, as the prophet says, heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. Could you build me a temple as good as that? Asked the Lord. Could you build me such a resting place? Didn't my hands make did my hands make both heaven and earth? You stubborn people. And here he goes. Look out. You stubborn people. You are heathen at heart and deaf to the truth. And he's talking to the Sanhedrin. These rich, highly sophisticated well-educated men who knew the Old Testament very well, and they thought in their heart and their minds that they were serving God, and they were doing God a favor by getting rid of Jesus, the blasphemer, and they're doing God a favor by getting rid of these people who uh, are preaching in the name of Jesus. And so he says, you stubborn people, you are heathen, you are heathen at heart and deaf to the truth. Must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? That's what your ancestor did, and so do you. Name one prophet your ancestors did not persecute. They even killed the ones who predicted the coming of the righteous one, the Messiah whom you betrayed and murdered. Uh-oh. They've heard those words before from Peter and John and the other apostles. And now here's Stephen saying the same thing. 
the Messiah whom you betrayed and murdered. He says in verse 53, You deliberately disobeyed God's law, even though you received it from the hands of angels. You deliberately disobeyed God's law. They went either way to not disobey God's law. But what they were doing was disobeying God's law. You couldn't tell them that. And that's what Stephen is doing here. He says, you rejected God. You rejected Jesus. And you have deliberately disobeyed God's law, the law that you supposedly love. And you even received it from the hands of angels, and you still are disobedient. And the Jewish leaders were infuriated, verse 54, by Stephen's accusation. See, they've been accusing him. Now, he's flip-flopped it on them, and he's accusing them. And they shook their fists at him in rage. They're mad. They're boiling mad. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, he gazed steadily into heaven. He wasn't even paying them any attention because of what he sees here. He gazed steadily into heaven and he saw the glory of God. Remember his face was shining like the face of an angel? This is probably why. Because he sees the glory of God and he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. You know, when Peter preached on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, and he preached that first sermon, Peter made a point to say that Jesus was sitting at the right hand of God, which was the place of authority. But here, Stephen looks up into heaven, he sees the glory of God, and he sees Jesus not sitting but standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. It's, it's like he got up. It's like, it's like Jesus got up to make sure that, he, that Stephen knew that he is looking down from heaven upon him that everything is going to be okay. But, but what is cool about this, you know what this tells me? That Jesus has a body. He still has a body even though he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. He has legs. He has feet. He has a waist. He has upper torso. He has arms and hands and, and, and a face. And Stephen recognizes Jesus. He knew it was Jesus. He sees the glory of God. And he sees Jesus standing up. Not sitting, but standing. And he says in verse 56, he, tell, he tells the Sanhedrin, this, this, this sealed his fate right here. He told them, look, I see the heavens. Because I don't know. They must not have been able to see it. I, I, I don't know. Uh, the, Stephen saw it. But I don't think these men saw it. They think this guy's nuts. But he says, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. Verse 57 says they put their hands over their ears and begin shouting. They didn't want to hear what he said. Ah, they're drowning out what he's saying and they rushed at him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him and his accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul this would be Saul who later becomes Paul and writes two-thirds of the New Testament and becomes one of the greatest preachers in history as they stoned him Stephen prayed Lord Jesus receive my spirit he fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, 
he died. We're going to end with this. As Stephen was getting pelted with stones by these men who say they serve God and they love God, he cries out to Jesus and he says, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. Does that sound familiar? Jesus did the same thing from the cross. Father, Forgive them for they know not what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing, Father. Forgive them. Stephen did just like Jesus when he was taking his last breath and he, and, and he was being stoned. Don't hold this sin to their charge. Forgive them. Here, here, here's what I want to end with. Who has hurt you? out of selfish motivation. You haven't done anything wrong, but yet they don't like you. They don't like what you're about. They say hurtful things. They, they hurl false accusations. And they try to drag your name through the mud. They try to get people to get their attention off of you and onto them. They want, they want to make themselves seem bigger and better than they really are. So they, they, they lie about you and they say bad things about you and they do terrible things to you behind your back. Just like these, these Jewish men did to Stephen and it wound up causing his death. Who has hurt you out of selfish motivation? What have they done to you that has caused so much hurt and pain? Here's the deal. We just like Stephen and just like Jesus need and must forgive. Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. Jesus, receive my spirit. And as he's dying, he's shouting with every breath that he has, don't hold this sin to their charge. In other words, forgive them. You and I, we must forgive. Yes, the pain is real. Yes, it hurts. But God, don't hold that sin to their charge. We strive to be like Jesus, and Jesus is all about forgiveness. Let's forgive. Have a good day. God bless. Thank you for listening to the Grind It Podcast today. You can send any questions or comments to grinditpodcast at gmail.com. Please join us next time, and when a challenge comes your way, just grind it. Been grinding all my life. Sacrifice. Hustle paid the price. Want a slice. Got to roll the dice. That's why. All my life. I've been grinding all my life. All my life.